Welcome to the More Than Music podcast with your hosts Thibaut Duchesnay and Chris Snellgrove. In each episode, we will discuss what sparked our guests' passion and what continues to motivate them to live a dedicated life to the arts. The often overlooked reality is that genuinely dedicating oneself to one's art is not all about the euphoric moments of creation and expression. We hope you enjoy. Thanks for listening. Our guest this episode is Ilka Tumunen. He is a musician and family man from Finland. He has played in Assembly Line, Life-Giving Waters, which found a slight notoriety after the fact by being included in the Dudesons program, Truck, Cigarette Crossfire, and his current band, Custody. He also has an acoustic project with his wife and band members of Life-Giving Waters called Mutkat Jatunelit, which is Curves and Tunnels in English. He has toured extensively in Europe and the U.S., playing such festivals as Punk Rock Holiday and Fest. He organizes shows and is an avid record collector. I met Ilka in Belgium in 2016 at a Bearded Punk Fest pre-show, and when he and his bandmates showed up, we proceeded to bond over everything music-related. In 2017, he helped set up a very last-minute show for me in Helsinki that was absolutely awesome. It was in a public park with a bunch of punk rock families with their kids. We haven't seen each other since that day due to a myriad of things, including a pandemic, obviously. But I'm really looking forward to meeting up and playing some music together again. So, welcome to the show. Welcome. Thank you. That was a good intro. I, I couldn't have done that better myself. <laughs> Even your accent seems very good, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> What do you think, Ika? Um, you know, I'm I'm not noticing an an accent. I think you guys are noticing one on mine. I'm not sure. Well, no, I mean the accent when he spoke in Finnish. Ah, thought, you mean that? Yeah, the pronunciation. Yeah, that the pronunciation was, was wonderful. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I think so. Finland is only the second hardest language in the world. So, my is it really? Yeah, that's what they say after Mandarin Chinese. Crazy. I I have I've spent time in Brazil and Portugal and I find Portuguese really hard as well. Yeah, it is. Um, it's 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 like one of those languages that we have, like because we have Sweden, Norway, and Denmark, which are all pretty similar but still different. And Portuguese is the same. Like it's Spanish, but it's not Spanish at all. So if you if you speak with Danish people, it's like uh, a cross between Swedish and and, and German language. So interesting. I hear you. <laughs> And if any Portuguese people are listening to this, he didn't mean that Portuguese is not like Spanish. <laughs> <laughs> well, to me it is. But, but, but why do I know? Um, Hard language anyway. Beautiful though. Like uh, if you hear it spoken, uh, it sounds beautiful. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Absolutely. All right. So how about this? Let's start with where did you grow up and what got you into this? Um. Okay, so um, everyone knows Helsinki, right? So I live like 30 kilometers north from there. I was born, like my first year when I was born, I lived in Helsinki. But after that, I moved to a small town called Kerava. And I've lived here ever since. When mo you know, most of my buddies moved out, went to college and things like that. I never left. I just stayed. And now all my old friends are moving back. So it's a... Uh, It's uh, we have like forty thousand people living in here. Uh, it's a uh, it's a tight knit uh, community. Uh, it's great for you know just laying low and raise kids uh, and do your thing. Um, yeah, um, but how do I cut into music? You mean? Yeah. 
that I think was due to a necessity more than anything. Like I remember trying out different hobbies for which we never got the money for. Like I couldn't afford hockey. I couldn't afford uh, playing soccer or whatever. And music was just there always, all the time. My mom was 21 when I was born. So uh, they ended up partying quite a bit. So that means <laughs> if there's a party, there's music. So I got exposed to an array of uh, various music, mostly Finnish stuff that none of you will ever know anything about. But, you know, there were things like Tom Waits, uh, Lou Reed, uh, Scorpions. I remember Scorpions very vividly. Um, things like that. And, you know, at the age of five, I started to perform to my mom and my mom's friends with a, uh, with a toy guitar. <laughs> nice. Uh, so was, that, that, that's kind of like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Something like that. And I, at the age, age, age five and six, I went to my first you know, proper rock concert, which was a band called Cielo Velet. And that, that just sparked something in me. I was six years old hanging on a fence uh, in front of the stage uh, and seeing this, um, it, it, it was, it was more than music. It was, it was like an exhibition. It was like the music got, took over the, the performers and it's, but it wasn't, I wasn't only, you know, listening, I was participating in something, some weird, wild jungle exhibition kind of thing. And I, you know, you know I don't remember that many things when I was six, but I do remember that. And it, and it left a mark on me that never, just never vanished. And I ended up organizing a show at a kindergarten when I was six years old. Really? Uh, it, was, it was, yeah. You organized yeah. a show at six? At, at, in a kindergarten, we were performing um, uh, on the edge of a sandbox with a friend of mine. We had some, you know, cattles and things like that that we could bang on and, and some toy guitars. So we sang and bang on those things. And all the other kids in the kindergarten, they were on a, like a horseshoe shaped uh, half a circle, <laughs> all in line, cheering us on. And that, so you know, that was it. it you were like, I love this. <laughs> yeah, this is, this is amazing. And the horseshoe, if you know, notice like how the crowds usually tend to form at, a, at shows, that yeah. hasn't left. It's still the same. <laughs> <laughs> that weird gap right in the middle where it's like, here's the exactly. band. <laughs> Again, you, I mean, you always say like again, you guys can move forward. It's a it's a mutual thing. We can all participate, but no one does. No one ever does. <laughs> it's kind of interesting yeah. your your reflection, you know, at kindergarten having the horseshoe and you know that, that configuration <laughs> of people and music and mm. performers and listeners. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but it was nice. Like after that, it took it took six or seven years before I actually started to play. You know, I you know take take the instrument uh, seriously. I went to my aunt's house, and I remember they they had this really old beat up acoustic guitar behind a, a sofa, and I'm like, okay, so what's this? There were maybe one string or two strings, and it had it needed gluing, it needed new uh, headstock stuff like that, and I knew absolutely nothing about how how to fix a guitar, but there I am asking if I can have it, and I did, and I. I made it work somehow. I don't even remember how long it took. It must have been like half a year or something like that. So I'm age 13 maybe at that point. Jesus. But even at that age, like at 13, I didn't know how to fix a guitar. 
Me neither, but I, I mean, just, I don't yeah. really know. How to, I, I still take my guitar to Luthier's. <laughs> yep. But somehow I made it happen. And, and I remember there was an older kid that lived in the same block of flats where, right, where we used to live. And he had a paper route. Um, and I knew he had um, an electric guitar, which he had paid, uh, you know, delivering papers. And I'm like, okay, dude, you need to learn, you know, teach me something. How do I, uh, how do I make a chord? How do I make a, you know, how do I make some sort of sound out of this? And he's like, well, if you take all my pop paper route with me, I'll teach you how. <laughs> so that's what I ended up doing. And, um, and, you know, we went from, okay, so. Uh, at the first fret, this is F, you know, F, F yeah. sharp, and then and G, G. So that's what I learned. And, and I remember smoke on the water. That was my thing. <laughs> the first thing that I learned on one string, then, then two, then three. And from there on, it was, it was on. That's awesome. So um, growing up, you know, don't take this the wrong way, but I mean, Helsinki is pretty far away from a lot of things and even oh, yeah. then going further out like 30 kilometers outside of the city like and and we're the same age so how how did you how did you discover things that weren't rock music uh that's that's the weirdest thing um you know age age 12 13 it was the usual like what would you get out of mtv things like that there's a lot of Nirvana, Metallica, Guns N' Roses, that sort of stuff. But during the same time, there were some older kids that were passing out uh, copied tapes. So that's how we ended up uh, hearing about the UK punk, uh, some Ramones, and some really obscure Finnish bands that I still to this day, um, and I'm not 100% what they were. But we were like, okay, well, this is different. And we knew absolutely nothing about them. We had no song titles. We had no band names. And only, only, only like a few years after, I, I realized that we had so these UK bands we were listening for 9.99 or the adverts or Pascox or the Clash or whatever it was. Um, and and basically, what what brought lured me in and made me kind of learn more was the pop punk explosion. 100% I, I couldn't uh, argue any otherwise. It was like, okay, well, now those are, those are almost, you know, guys like my age and they're on TV and that they're banging on those same three chords that I am. Like, how, what, what's happening here? Yeah. And that kind of uh, took me to a world of its own. And I, I just started to uh, accumulate as much music as I could uh, out of that. Like, okay, so there, there are these labels, these bands, in which other bands are they? Who are they thanking on? You know, what other bands yeah. are they thanking on their on their sleeves or whatever? And and that's how I kind of realized that well, ooh, wow, there's it's a it's a complete a world of its own that I knew nothing about, and I want to learn more. I want to learn everything, basically. And and uh, one of my really really good close childhood friends. Uh, he and his family, they used to live in Evanston, Illinois. And this is like maybe 91 until 93, something like that. And I remember the, uh, my friend's brother, uh, he was like, well, I saw, I saw Green Day play uh, in Evanston, some <laughs> early 90s. And they were wearing uh, women's dresses and it, it was funny and blah, blah, blah. 
And uh, eventually he, he too ended up having a band uh, in Evanston called Small and Friendly Rodents, something like that, S-U-R. Um, and he started to accumulate records himself. And when they moved back, back to Finland, he, you know, he was already kind of moving away from the punk thing, but still had those records from that. So this is 95, 96, 97. And I'm just browsing through everything like, wow, there's Chromax, but there's also Squirt Gun, there's Nuisance, but there's also uh, you know, some obscure Midwest hardcore and all, you know, everything in between. And I'm like, I'm, I'm just in heaven. He didn't like us browsing through his records. So when he <laughs> went to school or to work, we would not go, or I would go tape. <laughs> Yeah. I ended up, I actually ended up, like this is maybe, I don't know, seven years ago, uh, a few of those records were donated to me because uh, the guy knew that I, I just, you know, got more out of them than just keeping them at the attic or something like that. Well, but well, that, that, yeah. No, go ahead, go ahead. Sorry. No, no, the, 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 that whole experience, like uh, uh, trying to get to know everything you know, it's been going on ever since like that. I still <laughs> feel feel that I geek about music a lot and I feel like I need to know where things come from and why do they exist and what else is there and what other branches are blooming where. Yeah. Very cool. It, go ahead, Timo. Was there a, at the time, was there a punk scene in Helsinki? In Finland? Oh yeah, definitely. Um, like and- there was a vivid punk scene already uh you know late 70s right wow. uh, yeah yeah it, it was quite huge and then through the 80s and 90s there was you no know, we had various squads and uh there's a lot of uh, really like globally popular finnish punk bands mainly hardcore um for example things like tervet Garret or ratus they are huge in brazil they you know they can still just you know fly over and go for a tour there's loads. We could and talk, you know, five hours on that alone. Really? And yeah. what was your relationship to the punk rock community, your local punk rock community? Mm-hmm. Because I imagine as you were listening to MTV and getting, you know, yeah. into pop punk and then kind of going through that, you know, that wormhole yeah. and figuring yeah, out yeah. all these other bands, then you <laughs> probably got interested into the local community. Where are the local punks um, at? Uh, well, not that much locally, like not in the the specific city where I live, but I used to travel quite a bit uh, throughout Finland, go to eastern parts of Finland. There were there was a there was a lively scene with um, a couple of emo bands, even and, and skate punk bands and hardcore bands, and uh, also towns like Tampere, Turku, Helsinki. Um, I started to go to shows all on my own and and. Quite early on, um, figured that everyone knows everyone. It's 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 spread out. It's 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 fairly small, but it's still huge to me. When when I saw mm-hmm. that, and and a much differently, like if you go to Germany or you know any other Central European country, there are different scenes. Like there there is a scene for uh, the metal punk kids, and there is a scene for the straight edge hardcore kids, and there is a scene for pop punk is, but in Finland, I've always felt that everyone's welcome as long as it's, you know, within the realm of, of punk rock, everything goes like we can have 
pop punk bands and and hardcore bands at the same bill, and no one would mind. And that I found exhilarating. Like it, it was it was just amazing. That opened up. I I saw so many great bands uh, during the late nineties. Yeah. Um, now, not, you know, not the, the city where I'm, I'm actually from. I don't, I, I don't think, you know, that there's been live music for sure, but not a punk scene. Per se. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But okay. So you, I, I agree with you that back in, back in the nineties and stuff like that, we actually talked about this in the last episode that shows were really diverse. Is it still like that in Finland? I've only ever been there once. So team um, in Finland? it Never. is, and it, it isn't, um, you know the 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 way I see it, it the, um, there are waves. It, things be, you know they come in waves. Uh, for example, uh, for the past I don't know not well from 2010 until 2016, I I saw a Gazillion garage punk sort of bands. Mm-hmm. Um, after that, there's been an explosion of uh, things like post punk. Uh, um stuff and um but shows yeah well if i if i'm organizing they're always diverse <laughs> but, but there are yeah. certain clicks that you know happen in their on their own as well yeah but, of course um it's it's no it, it's not as diverse as it used to be i think but it's still diverse in comparison to anything any other countries do okay that's cool for sure and because I've never been in Helsinki during that time, were there independent record shops? Yeah, places where you loads. went to get records and exactly, yeah, definitely. Um, one of my favorites is it's still around. It's, it's called Keltan and Jansarki. I'm not sure how to translate that. Keltan means yellow. Jansarki um, is one of those things like like a ship that breaks ice. What's that um, called? Icebreaker. Icebreaker. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think it's a nice break. Yeah. Well, anyway, there, there were loads, um, and and record shops in general have been popping up quite a bit. Even in my small town, we have two. Wow. Um, but it, it wasn't like that. It's it's the the whole vinyl boom that's been you know yeah, rejuvenating the, the industry quite a bit. But yeah, um, it was record shops. There was a, there was also like this is in the nineties. We did have a record shop here, and uh, and the guy who ran it became a good friend of mine for a while. And I I would go to him like, okay, so I just learned there is this band and that band and this band. Can you order this stuff for me? And he's like, yeah, for sure. And this is CDs. Everything get, came in in CDs back then. Yeah, of course. But um, but mainly I, I would I would travel to Helsinki to buy records. Yeah, was it was it the kind of thing where you'd go in and you'd be like, "Oh, I read about this band, this band, this band," and he and the guy would go, "You should try this band." Yes, definitely. And I missed that. And I, mm. I no, that doesn't happen anymore with all the streaming and stuff. Yeah, yeah. So uh, back yeah. back to the back to the record collection story. Was there like a was there a holy grail record in there? Uh, you you like, mean well, like, like right now? No, no, like no. You were saying, yeah. You oh, said back he, in the day. Well, back in the day, and then you said he just gave you a bunch of his records. Yeah. Was there uh, was there one where you were just kind of like, this is the fucking oh my god, like I can't believe this record. Um, um, I don't remember such from the record shop. There, you know, there were records that I was anticipating, like uh, you know, like crazy. I remember 
waiting uh, for the for Rancid's uh, Outcome the Wolves to come out. And I remember, you know, running to the record store the day it came out. Uh, but I think I got more those sort of feelings going through my friend's brother brother's collection. I and I specifically remember bumping on to Dillinger Four, mm. and that just blew my mind. Yeah, uh, Midwestern yeah. songs for them. I ever guess. Oh my god, this is everything that I want. <laughs> <laughs> Bloody hell, that dude is an awesome lyricist. Like I, I'm not sure if he gets the uh, recognition he needs. Yeah. Those lyrics yeah. are awesome. It's interesting, Ika, hearing you because I had the same feeling with Chris when Chris oh, introduced yeah. me to hardcore music, uh, Converge and bands like Grade and the mm. kind of the emo. I've never, I never heard any of that. And first time I heard that Converge record, I was like, "Oh my God, where were you all my life?" Like, yeah, exactly. It yeah. blew my mind that sure. you could be that heavy and that emotional at the same time in kind of the screamy voice it was incredible oddly enough i never got into converse that much but i do love uh great <laughs> that radar record is awesome um but you know the going back to that period in time um and if if moving on from there you know obviously during the punk pop punk explosion in the aftermath became the, one of the most hated genres of music called ska and and obviously everyone was into uh, operation ivy uh, but there were a lot of those real big fist kind of college ska yeah, the, the third wave, third wave ska yeah um that kind of went you know it, it was fun for a while but um then then became, uh, you know, the, there were bands like Choking Victim that had a huge impact on me. Um, um, but that was, the, I think that's the, the the early 2000, 2001, 2002 is sort of like, like a, there's, there's a break in time um, in terms of, okay, well, I've seen all of this, what's next? And things yeah, that totally. really blew my mind. Well, this is actually already uh, back in 98. I knew Refused, that was huge. But then the leap from Refused to At The Driving and everything, kind of the uh, the whole holy grail of post-hardcore that happened uh, in the early 2000s. That, that just swept me away. And during being that young, you, you go on these periods of like, okay, well, this is, it's pop punk and it's pop punk only, it's hardcore, it's hardcore only, it's post hardcore and it's post hardcore only. Uh, and I, well, you know, being, you know, over 40 now, 42, uh, <laughs> going 43, I can, I can appreciate that, but I was so strict on, on what was hip <laughs> for certain periods of time. So, like, I can now enjoy, you know, a silly scar song here and there, and then jump on to list to listen to some, you know, post hardcore stuff. No problem. But back then, it was like it's either this or oh, get out. I, I think we were all kind of like that a little bit. Mm. Were we? I, th I think. What so. about you, Tipo? Did that happen to you when you got introduced to Converse and, and Create and this stuff? 
like did it sweep you away yeah i i don't i don't know because i was still into pop punk at the time and i was still into like uh, a lot of things it was just like a, an added uh food that was brought to my diet mm. more than this is all i want to listen to but i'm wondering Ika, during those times did you then that transfer into the way you played music that you only want to play Absolutely. that kind of and you want to start a band that's post punk um, pop punk post hard no, uh, whatever well, post punk or I was still so bad at guitar, uh, <laughs> I couldn't, you know, decide that I w wanted to do uh, like a heavy metal solo or uh, or a really weird progression something. So m my main focus was in in finding enough people to start a band in general. I just wanted to go. I didn't matter what, what you know how it sounded. I just wanted to do something. Like mm -hmm. I was, I was like, <laughs> you know scratching on my heels ready to go and I, I was just waiting for the right moment and and oddly enough like most of my closest friends at the time uh were already in bands and were doing music not punk music but music in general and i never ended up playing with them like it, it just wasn't in the cards i think i, I was just too bad <laughs> i wasn't that good when they were getting good at their instruments. So what ended up happening is this is 2000, uh, late 2000. I met a guy uh, at this warehouse where I was working and I saw him wearing uh, a strung out shirt or no effects shirt or something like that. So what ended up, you know, um, oh, you like punk rock? Um, did you hear the latest? Whatever. And we just kept pumping into each other on on daily basis because he was there to pick up some stuff and then we always ended up having a chat. He's like, well, I have to, I have a drum set. You want to come over and maybe jam for a little bit? And I was like, yeah, fuck yeah. I've been, I've been ready for the past five years. Let's go, <laughs> let's go. That's awesome. So, yeah. Th yeah. And he knew some people that knew some people and, you know, that that's how my first, you know, proper band, um, assembly line was formed and th there was like, we were out in his garage, uh, but I'm 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 fairly confident that we got going like maybe six or seven months after we started. We we already booked our first show, and and that that was the the the, the next big thing that sort of swept me away. I was like, oh, oh fuck, yeah, fucking hell, I can do this. Like I don't need anyone or anyone's permission. I can just you know phone up all these different uh, venues or or youth centers or whatever and, and 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 organize a show and ask some friends to come over and play the show and that 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 thrill that the thrill of that first show i'm still seeking like every every time i play i'm, I'm still yeah. seeking that feeling yeah. isn't that the beauty of punk rock that you don't have to be good you know there's that exactly and and it allows you to be better. You know, it actually, instead yeah. of giving it up and saying, well, I can never be that good or I'm just not good. So I'm going to do something else. It actually, you have mm. a, a style of music and that makes it that it's okay to not be good. And then you get good. Exactly. Yeah. But, you know, that, that, that actually applies to everything in life. Uh -huh. You learn by doing, whether it's, con, you know, doing construction work or, you know, what you, know, yeah. you, you learn as you go. Uh, when you study but for sure and 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 music um is one of the only sort of hobbies or things you can have where you 
constantly can only get better, you know, unless you, you know, break your fingers or whatever. Uh, but you can only learn more. Like it, it doesn't start to, well, well, there are, you know, some areas might like when your brain gets a little foggy, you might forget stuff, but there's still, you, you can get better if you want. Um, I don't know if you, do you know who uh, George Jones was? The country singer? Uh, sorry, I, I I'm not George Jones, Glenn Campbell. Sorry, Glenn Campbell. From the Eagles? Nope. No, that's Glenn Fry. Glenn Campbell was a, was an old country singer, and he had a, he made a documentary <clears throat> about the last two years of his life because he had uh, Alzheimer's, or he had early onset oh. Alzheimer's, and it was crazy to watch this documentary because, like you said, you just you, there's things you don't forget. So you know he'd be he'd forget lyrics, he'd forget where he was. Um, someone would tell him like he did a TV performance, and they were like, "You need to stay in this little." Circle, don't walk out of it. You just walk right out of it while they're filming. But the thing is, <laughs> okay. once the song started, he could play it. He could rip these crazy mm. solos exactly like on the record. Yeah. Yeah. But it, he didn't know his own name. Yeah. Yeah. That's, yes, uh, with Alzheimer and music, it seems like uh, they have the memory of music. So people with Alzheimer can remember songs and... And it's very soothing to it's, them. Yeah, I, and I think like muscle muscle memory is something that they, you know they speak about, and it's just ingrained into you. It's not in your brain. It's 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 yeah. Um, it's the, the the way your whole body vibrates, I guess. And that's the, to me, you know, I mentioned earlier. I'm I'm still chasing that moment, that that thrill of the first show. Mm. Um, I'm I'm the same with music. Like I get goosebumps when you know if, if music is good when it hits you, the, you know, just the right way. That's yeah. like oh, that's the greatest feel. I'm 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 getting that feeling now. Even talking about it. talking about <laughs> it. Can you go into that feeling? You know that feeling of that first show. What was that like? Um. Um. I don't know. It, it it was you know. I think it's <clears throat> it just opened everything up. If you know, it, it just told me like this. This is gonna sound like a, such a cliche, but the word please your oyster. Like you can do whatever you whatever you ever want, and and everything's possible. Mm. I I did mm-hmm. take that to extreme um, at some point, but but I still <laughs> what does think that mean? That. <laughs> What do you mean? All taking it to extremes. Yeah. Yeah. Like, well, I think I may, I've, I might have mentioned this to you in, a, in another uh, conversation, but also, like, could this be my life? Could I really oh, make yeah. it? Like, yeah. could this pay, pay the bills? Mm. So, taking that way too serious almost ruined music for me. But I'm, I'm glad I got over that. Well, yeah. you know, it, it's it, it happened to to me in the late '90s. Um, the band I was in, we were on tour all the time. We got a grant from the government. We were actually making some money at shows, and there was kind of a moment of like, "Huh, this this could work," and everything went to shit. Hmm. Everything fucking went exactly. to shit. Our our interpersonal relationships went to shit. We were, you know, we were best friends, just playing music, hmm. and you know. 
five, six people in a little tiny van with all your gear. <sighs> yeah. You know, in, in those it's, days, it's a, it's a lot to take in. Mm, yeah. Sure. In those days, you'd play like 65 shows in 60 days. You know, you take the shows and you, and you, you can play two today. Sure. Let's do it. If you get, you're just tired. You just, uh, yeah. so yeah, I, I totally get that. And, uh, mm. witnessed a lot of that firsthand, yeah. <laughs> but it seems normal though, to, if you love something so much that you want to make a career out of it. I mean, I love yeah. this. I, if I could pay the bills and do this, this would be heaven. Yeah. It, it's sure. like, I, 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 well, no claim on anyone. like it. I, I had that. I had that dream as well. Yeah. Um, I remember having, I had friends who were making a living doing this, like not very much. And I remember having a conversation with them. They were a five piece and they said, we kind of fucked ourselves. We kind of sold our soul. You know, <coughs> excuse me. They're like, every dollar we make, we have to pay a manager, a lawyer, um, a tour manager, uh, a record oh, label. God. They're like, you know, when I'm all glad said, I never went there. Yeah. They're like, mm. when all said and done off every dollar we make, we get around 40 cents and then we have to split that five ways. Then we pay taxes on it. Yeah. And, and they weren't, they weren't actually, you probably know them was polar bear club. Mm. And, oh, all right. Yeah. Yeah. I do. And I remember having this. I got all of the records. Yeah. They're great. And they're, they're wonderful people. And, they were a great band. And I just remember having these conversations with them and I was like, that's fucked. Like, you know, and then it got to the point where they just got tired. They're like, yeah. we're on tour 10 months a year. And when we're yeah. home, we can't, you know, when we're on tour, we can pay our rents because yeah. either one, we live with six people and we share a room because we're only home for a month a year mm. or, you know, some of them, some of them are still living with their parents just because they gave yeah. up their apartments just so they could try and do this. And you know, one anyone, by one, they started falling. Yeah, did did any one of them continue with music? Because I haven't heard anything, especially the singer. Uh, the singer has had a couple projects. I forget what the hell they were called, um, but just for fun, he did one with Benny from Gaslight. Um, right. What the hell was it called? Oh, I'll find I'll find it and send it to you. But they, you know, they're not really Perfect. touring. They're not. They all had kids. They okay. all. You know, and I remember him uh, fucking up his voice somehow. What's the yeah? He had surgery. Yeah, he had to have surgery, and then that was kind of the death knell for the band. You know, um, they released that record, which I think is amazing. <clears throat> I think his singing on it is. Great. I think so too. I didn't think so at the time, but now that I'm older and wiser, I can appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, and um, so I remember actually seeing them at Fest in like 2013. <laughs> I guess. Yeah. And they were, they were, you know, tension was high because people were really dissing the record and they were one of the bigger bands at Fest at the time. And he went out and he fucked his voice up so badly that he was just spitting up blood, like not even saliva, just uh, blood just to try and appease the people at Fest. Yeah. And you could just oh, see it. It, it just wasn't working. Mm. Yeah. But you know, I, but I think they gave it all. They they gave it their all, though, didn't Man. they? Like they they really fucking tried it. They worked harder um, than any band. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like I, I I never went to those extremes, and and even my extremes were you know 
bad enough. Um, there I am. Uh, this is like maybe 2007, 2008. We've already re uh, formed Life Giving Waters and that, that band was doing a lot of shows. I was working full time and I was studying at the same time. And I'm pretty sure what I had at the time was a, was a burnout, which I didn't recognize as sharks. I just felt like I need to do everything uh, in my power to, you know, try to keep this train rolling along. Yeah, uh, I need to work so I can afford to try to do this, and I need to study so I'm not as stupid as like I need to have uh, my degree and a, another degree so I can work when I'm done with this, and it can allow me blah blah blah. And and I just never stopped, and 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 well, secret crossfire. I that's that's the band that I took way too serious. Like, um, um, I just had higher hopes for it than anyone else. I think mm. when well, it ran its course. Well, that that's kind of the that's kind of the problem with mm. bands, right? At the beginning, it's fun. You're just gonna have some fun, yeah. play some shows, do this, and all of a sudden, if things start to pick up people's ideas of what the band is going to be changes. Mm. And then it's yeah. like, well, I can't tour as much as you want because I have a job or I have a kids I have. And then exactly. there's a resentment that builds up and this and that. And, you know, it, there's, there's no, yeah, it's, it, it's exactly like that. <laughs> yeah. There's no two ways about it. And, and it was only with, uh, you know, uh, forming custody that I found the, the joy of music uh, for music itself again. And it's been, you know, this is just the dream team, I think. Yeah, but I mean, you guys just have fun. You're, are all of you dads or just some of you? Um, we, well, we actually, we got a new drummer last summer and, and he doesn't have kids yet, but everyone else does. And the old drummer did. Okay. So, yeah. That, that you know, that's the term daddy punk. <laughs> that's where it came from. <laughs> I've never heard that one before. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, that's what we did. Hashtag daddy punk. <laughs> we actually um, made a shirt out of it as well. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's one of those Dan Allen designs with a skeleton holding a baby skeleton. <laughs> Check it out. We still that's have pretty cool. Nice. Yeah. Um, but I yeah, a, hmm. I had a random question for you. Because the weather is so extreme in Finland, yep. does that does that affect? For people who don't know, there's periods of time when there's 24 hour daylight and there's 24 hour darkness. Yeah, you know, I've I've only but you get that as well. No, not you even close. You're you're lower than oh good. Yeah, we're much lower. Yeah. No, we're in Montreal. Don't fucking confuse us, man. Come on. <laughs> um, wow. But I've ex <clears throat> I've only experienced. I've been to Iceland in the summer. I've been to Finland in the summer. I've been to Northern Scotland in the fall, but I've never experienced the twenty-four hour darkness. And I feel like, to me, that would kind of be crushing. How do you like? How does that? How does that affect your songwriting? How does that affect your life in general? You know, do you do you write more and practice more in winter and in the summer you just spend more time with your family? Or do you like, or you know, I don't really know. Uh, you know, growing up, it it didn't, it really didn't bother me. Like I I I paid no attention to it. 
Um, and you know, the places that actually get like the, the, the pitch black darkness 24 hours a day is actually up in Lapland. Lapland. So we, okay. we always have had like an hour or two, two hours of sunlight. So if, if you go, you, you know, you go to school, it's dark. You come back from school, it's dark. So you, you, you really miss that. But there's, there's a lot, like a lot of, there's a lot that has been said about Finnish songwriting in general. It's the, it's really melancholy. Mm. So not that many, you know, major chords or, so that's definitely uh, an aspect of, of uh, I think that is in our DNA um, as, as we are making music. Like, I, there, there are times uh, when we are coming up with a song, like, well, well, that's too happy. Like that, I'm, I'm laughing. I shouldn't be laughing when I'm writing music. Like, or no, that's too, like, uh, oh, mm -mm. change that to a minor chord. Like, yeah, yeah so for sure. But, but, but that, but, you know, coming back to that, as I get older, that really has started to take a toll on me. Uh, it, it affects my mood. Um, it's, it, it's, it's such a downer, actually. For sure. Yeah. Um, I'm not. I'm not sure how uh, how educated you guys are in in suicide rates in Finland, but it's 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 fairly high, and I I would suspect that has something to do with the weather. Hmm. Yeah. Go ahead, Tibo. I thought you were saying. No, I'm just curious about what you're saying about you know like Finnish music being more melancholic and more using minor chords than major yeah. chords. Would you go more into that? You know, like. How, because I think there is, as Chris says, a link between, you know, uh, sunlight and and art. And Absolutely. Like if if you look at you know, um, uh, you know just within traditional music and um, uh, what's it? Uh, what are the things that the religious people they sing about? Um, hymns. Hymns. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So we have those, and they are so sad. Mm -hmm. They are all super sad. Like um, uh, there's a there's a there's a verse in a in a song like you only have one life, and it's short and rotten. Then you die, and that 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 sort of stuff is something you sing at school. Uh, <laughs> you know, every morning and uh, and 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 when they when we you know at the end of the semester. So there are the, those few there are traditional songs that are like that. And they have, you know, they are just, you know, makes you feel like you need to, you know, slit your wrists, sort of stuff. And that that boils to um, uh, all, you know, I think in every genre we have that. But it's not, it's not like we don't do any happy music. Like there's there's loads of happy music as well, of course. But but it's it's something that people kind of sense when they uh, when they talk about Finnish music, for sure. So I'm curious, um, <clears throat> you fell in love with pop punk lyrics aside, mm. music is pretty happy. Yeah, it is for the, it, for the it, most it, part. It really is. You know, but, there, you know, <clears throat> there's a lot of sad, absolutely. Lyrics in it, but the music itself mm. is pretty happy. So it's when you upbeat. said, yeah, it's upbeat, yeah, so it's upbeat. Said, mm. you write songs and you're like, ah, oh, that's too happy. It's making me laugh. <laughs> yeah. um, <laughs> I, I just, I, I'm, I'm curious where that comes from. And, it, it's it's a weird internal battle that you have with yourself. You're kind of like I want to go there, but not really. 
like it's not making my arms goosebumps. Yeah, I don't know mm. what what it is what is what it is about that because I really enjoy my three uh, chord skate punk as well, like with this you know happy happy joy joy. Uh, <laughs> but a, as an artist, as a writer, that doesn't you know turn something on for me. Yeah, um, yeah, it's 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 a little bit weird like that. So you have a goosebump barometer for music. If it gives you goosebumps, you're absolutely. hitting the note. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. That's that's the way I've, I've wrote music most of my life. Like there's hardly hardly any songs that I just come up with on my own. It's always, you know, through a jam session uh, with the other guys and I'm like, "Okay, dude, it's happening. <laughs> let's let's keep that. Let's throw the other part away, but this is good." Awesome. Now, would you yeah. would you say that you got into punk or like when you started discovering music and this and that and playing music specifically, we've talked to a lot of people and a lot of people got into punk from a point of anger and not being able to, to, to get it out. But listening to you talk, I almost feel like yours comes more from a place of sadness. Am I, am I wrong? In Absolutely. That? Uh, no, no, you're not. Um, I actually went through a quite severe burnout last fall Um and this is which led me to uh, go to uh, therapy sessions, which led to you know picking up my past. And um, I've you know I've, I've my childhood was quite quite a bumpy ride, and there were things that I were out of my control. Um, but things that I could control were things like uh, I was I've always been a collector, you know whether it's stickers or um, cans or whatever. Things that I can control. Yeah, this is mine. I can actually, you know, put it like this. And I think for, with punk rock, it was the same. Like this is my realm. Like I put on my headphones. I don't have to deal with anything, you know, that I have no control over. But this, I, I can control this. I have my records. They are al- alphabetized. You know, I have my tapes and things like that. Absolutely. Um, I'm pretty sure that you know helped me gain that sense of control yeah is is that a weird thing to say but you no know, going back like all. i'm able to do this i'm able to do this there's this whole world of its own that's mine up for crabs i can control it it doesn't bite me back though it at times it did <laughs> of course <laughs> but no I, I totally understand i totally get that that's yeah. one of the things i love about diy culture you know you fucking yeah. do it yourself yeah <clears throat> You know, I the only way that this is going to happen is if I manifest it. So, yeah, like you said, you find some friends, you make some music, you put mm. on a show, you have your semicircle around your sandbox, and that's it. Yeah, and, <laughs> and what you're saying also is that safe space that you had yeah. that you could put on the headphones. You had those records, yeah. and they weren't moving. You know, unless <laughs> you moved them. Uh, yeah. And that was securing for you in a world that was outside of that, probably pretty chaotic. Exactly. Yep. That's like um, that's my therapy session one hundred and one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, I, and that still continues to this day. But I've you no, know, I've just learned to kind of understand it, understand that part in myself as well, so I can deal with situation a little bit better. Um. I don't have to go into lock mode. I can actually, you know, oh, okay, well, this is making me sort of anxious. How do I approach this other than 
putting on my headphones or you know, something, uh, some other thing. And music is therapy, right? Absolutely. Writing music is therapy. Absolutely. Like, um, I would be such a nerve wreck if I didn't play music. And, you know, during the, the, the whole COVID two-year two pandemic, and we also had like lockdowns where we couldn't rehearse at all. I picked up on playing drums and that has been super therapeutic for me. Like um, nice. if, when I'm banging on the drums and I have a, have a song on my headphones, like everything else just fades away. It's the same with, with, with playing in a, in a band as well, but, but drums somehow specifically has, has proved to be a really good cure. Well, it, it tires you out more than playing a guitar. <laughs> You yeah, just, yeah, yeah. You're like, Argh! and you can hit as hard as you need to, you know. Absolutely, I get, yeah. I get that. I think I think you and I suffer from the same ailment. We're guitar players who wish we could play drums. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That's true. Yeah, drums and sing. That's that. Yeah. That's that would be the dream thing. Oh no, I I I, my, I drive my drummers crazy in every band I've been in. You know, it's like, oh, here's the song. Now, if could you do like do the cat do cat yeah. <laughs> they're just like you know i've i i've never had that but now you know after now after playing drums i have that a lot like i'm i'm listening to those parts and i'm paying attention to it more and i think that's one of the you know you can only learn more uh in music and, and that's that's definitely been my learning curve even uh, even listening to listening back to you know the songs that i already know you know from start to finish i'm like oh shit i've never noticed that from part it's cool. Nice. Um, I have a question for you. Why? So as someone who's across the Atlantic, yeah. we know tons of bands from Sweden, but yeah. we don't know tons of bands from Finland. Or and we know tons of bands from that. Norway, all the black metal and yeah. stuff too. But like, it's why? It's so weird. Like, it's, um, it's, I think it's in our psyche as well. Like, Finnish people are super humble. We never brag about you know anything, even when we should. Like you know, if you're good at something, you should say that. And Swedish people, they are like that. They, you know, if, even if they are not that good, they still say they are really, really good. <laughs> uh, to the point that they, at times, sound a lot like North American people. Like they, they, they always have that positive vibe going on. And I think they just, they've just pushed it further than us. Um. And and Sweden having you know there, there was a you know the whole burning hard scene within yeah, the totally. punk explosion um, and and that sort of stuff. So I think that you know kind of took it to a next level as well. Are you and, saying and that Norway, there's like? Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No way. Um, but Norway and uh, the whole death metal scene and uh, that sort of stuff. So that's that's already a holy grail on its own. Yeah, um, we totally. have loads of famous metal bands as well, but not as famous. But still, okay. you know, we have ours as well. <clears throat> uh, to answer to your question, I really don't know, but I think it's the, the the psyche thing. I think that plays plays a major part in it. We just don't, you know. <laughs> is, is is the psyche? Do you think it has anything to do with the fact that you're touching Russia? I think so. You know, we've lived our, you know, the, uh, before we were under Russian rule, we were under Swedish rule. 
Hmm. Um, and and I'm, I'm not sure if you guys knew, but Finland is actually a bilingual country. So we have you know, all the road signs and stuff. Is it's like Finnish and Swedish. Oh yeah. Uh, but the Swedish speaking population at the at the moment is like maybe 10% of everyone. I think I might be completely wrong. Please Wikipedia that after this. But. <laughs> But what you're saying is that I've never heard this before, like this kind of collective self-esteem, you know, that the Swedes have a higher self-esteem yeah. in relation to music than maybe North Americans or Finnish. Yeah. yeah. And maybe I that's mean, your interpretation of possibly, that, who knows? Exactly. Yeah, to this why, is, this uh, is totally, yeah, this is totally my own own thoughts on the yeah. issue. But, but that's the way I see it, like, because... Uh, during my uh, work career, I've um, I've had to work. Well, had to. I've gotten the chance to work with a lot of Swedish people, and I've noticed this. Like this, the the, the culture is totally different. Mm. They they kind of they um, I don't know they they carry themselves differently. They're really uh, proud they, they, of yeah. what they do and things like that. <clears throat> All the bands That's on where the top we of are head. sort of. Uh, please don't you know pay no mind to me. Yeah. Mm. I'm, I'm yeah. sorry that I came. No, no, sorry. <laughs> um, all the bands that I can think of from Sweden definitely come across with that, like, what the fuck's up? We're here now attitude. Yeah. You know, yeah. exactly. Mm. Definitely. <laughs> yeah. But and, and the funny thing is, like, we never get any shows in Sweden. Like, you know, we've, we've had a few shows here and there, but the scene up north where the the border crosses uh, with Finland and Sweden, th- there's like a, this whole scene of its own, like this northern um, hemisphere scene. So, okay. nor- no, no, the the shows in northern Sweden are really, really good, and the people there are more like, you know, like Finnish people. But the the people in the south are more like American people, and it's it's like they have two these two different, at least within the music and. It's a, it's an an ongoing joke whenever we go on tour, um, because we get and we don't get any shows in Sweden, which would be you know it would make sense while you're driving to Germany that you play in Sweden, but you never get those shows. So a lot of bands, us included, have tried to um, drive through Sweden without stopping once. Like, Fuck you guys, we're not even <laughs> going to stop here. <laughs> That's crazy. I didn't think it'd be that that much of a. It's so weird. Like, I don't think it's rivalry. I think they just look at us like, you know, secondhand citizens and, you know, know, uh, a bit like, you know, these Russian guys. Ah, I don't want to deal with them. I mean, I don't know. I I, I honestly don't know. But, you know, I've played some awesome shows in Stockholm. I'm not not saying that. It's not always and it's not everyone. Of course. I'm I'm, I'm (coughs) over exaggerating this, but, you know. Still, it's harder it's to get not shows. As, absolutely, like a lot, you know. There's uh, a way more demand for Finnish bands in Germany than there are in in, in Sweden. Which is I, a bit I don't think I've been to a country <clears throat> that supports music like Germany supports music. Yeah, absolutely, it's, it's crazy. It's, it's amazing. Yeah, it is. Can't wait to get back. We actually are trying to make make our way there uh, in June. And you guys as well? Yeah, we'll be there. And, well, we'll have already gone by the time this comes out, but we start our tour April 27th for the first time in years. Oh. Yeah, I'm sorry. Perfect. Um, let's see. 
so you know you're talking about we we're talking about music being therapy and you having a burnout and this and that now you play music with your wife and you have yeah. it a, a couple well, of times in your life um yeah so we had this like there was a shorter period this is uh, maybe 2009 2008 maybe two year period where we did this um, it, it was basically out of the need wanting to play covers i think but we quickly uh, picked up speed and played songs as well like uh, originals but all of those are forgotten like that that band so sort of just faded away it never happened and and with my wife, um, she has actually, she's been singing all like all of her life. Uh, the first time she sang on record was when she was seven or eight years old. And oh. she still gets royalties of those to this day. So she's way more professional than I am. <laughs> That's my royalties. Check. I'm not, like, I'll be happy if I see one every four years. Um, but but yeah, this new one, um, it basically started with, uh, this is again, going back to the same, same guys, uh, the singer from Life Giving Waters. Uh, after he gave up drinking completely, he found himself like, oh, I have all this time that I'm not drunk all the time. When I'm not drunk all the time, and, I'm, and he's just, you know, started to come up with songs. And it just so happens that he moved, he lives like maybe 100 meters from us. So this... Oh, cool. So it started to happen on, on Sundays. But even before we started to play together, my wife's wife started to play guitar. Um, and she says, well, if I'm not getting a band together, I might, you know, might as well do my own music. And she's been, you know, for the past maybe three years uh, playing guitar and, and singing. And she's been doing that on her own. And now we are three people that are combining our, you know, joining forces. Um, and I've been mainly, you know, playing along to their songs. They already have their songs. Like uh, Ile has his songs, and my wife has his, his songs, and I'm playing along. And it's been super fun. Uh, it's totally different. Like it's, um, it's really traditional Finnish stuff. I would say. Um, uh, we call them murder ballads. It's even, <laughs> you know, it, it's way more sad than anything else that I've ever done. But I, I, I love it. So Nick Cave covers? <laughs> yeah, well, no, not at the moment. Um, we we did we do play one. Um, who's the dude who just died? Did I tell you about this? Not Nick Cave. Guy who just died. Um, wrote a book. A biography. Jesus. Oh, Christ. Mark Lanigan. Thank you. Exactly. So yeah, so we were doing that cover already, like before he died, and like, oh, well, now it makes even more sense. Mm. Yeah. Now, how does how does your wife deal with? I mean, obviously, she's a fan of music. Yeah. You've been playing music your whole life. She's been playing music her whole life. You know, yeah. does she deal with <clears throat> the ups and downs of life and everything the same way that you do? Does she like? Okay, you guys need a break. I'm going to go sit, put my headphones on kind of thing as well. Um, not that much, uh, but definitely to a degree for sure. Like a lot of her songs are about that. For example, her mother died two years ago. So we've, uh, I've seen so many songs about that. 
or at least what I feel are songs that are coming out of those feelings of losing your uh, close relative. I think though they, they are playing a role definitely at least in her writing, but she's uh, also really um, athletic. So I think uh, she uh, gets a release out of uh, exercise and dance as well, mm-hmm. more than me. Cool. I run, but it doesn't do, do you know, it doesn't give me the release that music does. Yeah, they're they're different. I, there's, you know, I I find that running and working out a lot. Just for me, I I don't I don't drink. I'm straight edge, so mm-hmm. I find for me doing exercise and just tiring myself out. It's kind of like with a dog. A good dog is a tired dog. Uh, yeah. So if I'm really tired, my brain kind of slows down and shuts slow, just shuts down. I can just relax. Whereas mm-hmm. if I don't do something, you know, like, like you said during the pandemic, there was so much time when we couldn't practice and I was going fucking crazy. You know what I mean? Um, So I, I I understand how the feelings are different, but I don't know. I want to. Yeah. But but touching on that, um, it's not always like uh, things that are hard uh, at the moment are, you know, when do you need, like when you're going on tour and you need to leave this whole no macabre circus <laughs> all on its uh, own uh, it's it's left for her so that acquires lots and lots of planning mm-hmm. and and we try to juggle between that like i i try to make sure that she gets free time as well like mm-hmm. off time like just away from the family time because i i feel like i i just absolutely needed to be uh, a better father and a better person to kind of have that um, outside view for a while so i can appreciate the things that i have at home and now not having those during this you know two and a half years almost now when we haven't been able to go anywhere uh, i think that played a huge role in my in my burnout where my you know all my you know i picture it as like uh, this uh, if you're straining a, a rubber band and you just you know keep pulling it until it breaks and it did and I think not having that those moments where you're just away completely. No, it's it's not like on being on tour is a vacation. It's not. There's no, no, it's a tour, not tourism. Like you have to be focused on that day. You just you know make sure you get there on time. You load in, you load out, you sleep. But it's such a release, and it's it's yeah. really hard to make. Like if if no. If, to try to tell this to a person that's never experienced uh, touring with music, like how how do you like how do you you don't sleep you don't eat for days <laughs> you just you know drive ten hours a day like how do how the hell is that refreshing like yeah. for a holiday? It's uh, that, it it's is that thirty it's that thirty Absolutely. minutes on stage. It's that thirty Absolutely. minutes on stage where yeah. just everything just pours out. Yeah. Yeah. You keep talking about this burnout and I wonder, and there are two things you keep talking <laughs> about this burnout and I'm curious as to what you learned through this burnout. Um, for, for one, now, go, now I can like actually uh, say when I, when I'm going to have one, if I mm. get one, mm. whereas when I was in my twenties, I didn't. So I, I've experienced this twice. Um, and it's uh, it's such a heavy toll on your body. I felt like I was having a heart attack 
uh, for mm. two weeks straight. It was so weird. And what I've learned is that um, even though you like some things, you you you're not able to do them all the time without that taking a toll on you. Right. If that makes sense. Okay. So yeah. so if um yeah. for example in in my uh, in my bread and butter work where I code uh, on a computer, I co- I, I, I'm going to be coding. Oh, this is fun and exciting. I'm, I'm creating something new. It's a little bit the same with music. I'm, I'm creating something new. I'm enjoying this. This cannot be taking a toll on me. But now I realize that, uh, no, actually it is. Right. It, it doesn't make sense for you to work in the middle of the night. Yeah. Um, you know that that's giving me the uh, perspective that I need. Like you need to separate these things. You need off time, work time, hobby time. You know things like that. So uh, that has completely changed the way I use my uh, calendar, for example. Because yeah. whereas w- within the past fifteen years, I I've never obeyed to any nine to fives. Like it's like I work when I feel like it, or when when I have that time when the kids are asleep. I pick up a laptop. I go through all my email, but you know, you, you can't do that without it taking a toll on you. So that's definitely something that I've learned, and it's the same with music. You cannot do it twenty four hours a day without it affecting you somehow. So, pacing myself. Yeah, respecting yeah. your body and listening yeah. to your body and. Sometimes I often say the mind can be a dictator and it dictates the body, but yet the body kind of can speak louder and can say no more, you know, like I can't take yep. this anymore. Exactly. And that's, that's what happened. And why I keep bringing that up so much is because I've been, <laughs> I've been doing some heavy therapy at the moment. Like, yeah. you know, oh, just yesterday. <laughs> and my other question is about punk rock, you know, and I, everyone yeah. that we interviewed is, in their forties, I think. Uh, say what? Not Maddie. Oh, not Maddie. Okay, but and I know for for myself, I'm not even really. I'm not a musician, and I'm not. In the, but being punk rock and the punk rock is so important to me. How has that changed with you? You know, from a young kid to now being a father of two. Uh, yeah. Uh, well, it has definitely changed the way I. Um, uh, I behave at shows. Like I'm not, I'm not there down in the pit. I'm, I'm, I'm all the way in the back, enjoying the view, and seeing the youth go wild mm. instead of participating that much in it. Um, uh, how has it changed? Mm, not that much. To you know, to be honest, like I, I still like my mind works the same way that it did 20 years ago. Mm. I got that 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 the thrill of seeking out those shows, making uh, making things happen, uh, planning your next recording sessions, and it's just that with age comes these realizations of time to that. Like a year is a slow, uh, no, I mean a year is a uh, it's it's a it's a fast pacing uh, section of time in your timeline, sort of. Like whereas when when you were twenty, a year looked like it took ages. Now years feel like weeks. So, so the difference between now and then is like this 
this heavy machinery is moving a bit slower, although you're making things happen all the all the while. Mm -hmm. You're still making them happen, but the, the haste is gone. Yeah. But so a question you mentioned this earlier, and I want to kind of bring it back to it. You said the the the, the was it the singer for living with wa life giving water yeah. had stopped drinking. Yeah, completely. Um, in in the in in the email that you had sent me with a little hmm. bit of backstory on some of your bands and stuff, you said that that band actually broke up due to like essentially alcohol abuse. Absolutely, that's 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 something that broke the camel's neck. I, I would say, like the the last show we did, we we basically ended up fighting each other, just being you know way too drunk and wasted, and and most of the shows were like that. And it's it was just an accumulation of uh, of playing too many shows, too many tours, pushing it too far, and 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 just drinking the whole way through. Absolutely. Um, and we there there were a few years when we didn't talk at all, but we did eventually. Um, and I remember after the band broke down, uh, getting some alarming messages from him. Uh, being uh, a bit on the uh, edgy suicidal note, and I, I'm like, okay, well, this this can't continue. I will, I'll, I'll come pick you up. And I did. I took him to uh, to his parents' house to get you know kind of sober up and uh, mm -hmm. get his shit together. Then I left, and we didn't speak for I don't know, four years. Holy shit! And um, then going back. To then moving forward to Secret Crossfire, uh, our drummer died quite tragically in 2014 uh, in a skateboarding accident, uh, which made headlines in Finland. And it uh, is, a, is a whole, we can do an hour episode on that alone. But that made me realize that, you know, the, the time we have is, is limited. You shouldn't. Yeah. You know, hold stupid crutches with anyone. So I phoned, I phoned him, just to let him know, like I have no bad feelings, and that there's no, there's no crash or karma. It was just, you know, we were both drinking too much. Uh, things got out of hand. You know, let's be mates and you know stuff like that. And and I, or, during that phone call, he said to me, like I've never held any crutch on you. Like, dude, you saved my life. That day when you came and picked me up and took me to my parents, you said, oh, wow. I was yeah. blown away. Like, I, I yeah. didn't realize how much of an effect that had, but it yeah. did. And it, it was good. But it took a few more years after after that he uh, uh, quit completely. But he's, a, he's, a, he's, totally, uh, he's a totally different beast now. But what you're saying is your the, the death of your drummer through a skateboarding accident like sobered you up and kind of in, um, in, a, in, a, in a mental way of saying, I can't hold grudges. Life is short. Like uh, yeah, it can be taken yeah. away at any time. Yep. It was like it was like that. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, sobered up uh, in, in that sense. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> when I met you, you were very, 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 very drunk. Oh, that's what we do. That's a, that's another. <laughs> that's another Finnish thing. I would, I would say, like we like our drink. I wonder if that has to do with the, the twenty darkness, darkness and the the, yeah. the fucking like six month winter. 
Yeah. <laughs> is there a Viking lineage? Nope. That that would you know More that would Danish. be Norway. Yeah, Danish and Norway. Um, there are stories that the Vikings they you know they made it out up out here, but there was I don't think there was like there isn't a it? community around it. I think they built premise or you know came came up here to rob us, <laughs> forest people. <laughs> um, on a really like happy note, um, yep. I, you told me that one of your older band's truck reformed to actually play at your wedding. Yeah, they did. Um, that was the first band that I had with my childhood friends, and this is in between. Life Keeping Waters and Secret Crossfire. Uh, it's a dear friend of mine, Bill, who I respect um, uh, to a degree that I think he doesn't even realize, but he just is an absolutely stunning singer and a, a songwriter. Um, but maybe due to his fall, he has a, a perfect pitch here. Okay, so it's kind of hard to <laughs> keep a band together with him with that and he he tunes pianos for a living just wow. you know, by ear um yeah we uh, i got them together like we had that band going from 2010 i think until 2012 um with the premises of of having a well for once having a band where i play with my old friends uh, mm. and two having a band in which uh, you know there's no holdbacks. We just pour out songs and write them as they come. That's what we tried to do. Um, but I knew going into that band that this dude is not going to let this fly. Like this is way too off key or whatever. Like he he he's just too much of a perfectionist. But um, I'm glad that he is because everything that comes out the other end is always amazing. Like there's no halfway with him. So I was really, really happy to be in that band, and it was totally different from anything I've ever done. Um, and the idea was kind of go that Vipers, Craig Sage kind of rock and roll punk thing or whatever. So short songs under three minutes. I don't, I don't think we managed to even that. But did you listen to that record? I actually did. did I, check thought it, out? I thought it was amazing. Yeah, there's all the bands aside from Custody. That's the band yeah. I like the best. Yeah, I think so too. Like, um, there's this, uh, this is a specific song called "Open Fires," which to this day, even you know, speaking about it, is giving me goosebumps. Um, the way we recorded that was, um, it was mostly live. Uh, but what ended up happening is like there were, I think, multiple guitar overdubs and stuff like that, which at the time, like, uh. If we're gonna go down that route, is it going to be as as intact or artistically accurate of the of the representation that we had live or whatever? Uh, the end result, I I have no complaints. I, I'm glad he spent that week or so overdubbing the guitars and overlaying some vocal vocal parts. But this is also during the same time Secret Crossfire first album was uh, released, and I remember being in in the studio recording the track album and um we were outside and hearing secret crossfire on the radio and i was like oh dude that is you know it might that's it cool. might yeah. it might it might it might yeah. happen you never know so, so 
so truck was yeah. just for fun like secret crossfire yeah. was being played on the radio and your yeah. mind started running like ooh this could be yeah, this could be exactly. the one this could yeah uh yeah i was you know i was out there booking a show booking a tour booking another show booking another tour that's what ended up happening and i'm like okay well it's kind of hard to have two bands going so you have to concentrate on one one thing over the other but yeah it was it was super fun when they played my wedding uh 2015 i i joined a couple of songs as well and from that organizing them to play my wedding we ended up having a whatsapp group which is still going nice. uh, for seven years <laughs> well the, re- the reason i asked is because um i used to play in a band uh with friends that i'm still friends with and one of them dated a girl in the 90s they split up for many years got back together uh and then ended up getting married and at their wedding we did a surprise reunion and i think we played four songs do you remember tivo something like that yeah we played we played three or four songs of our old band and it just you know you could see the the family members who just didn't really get it <laughs> yeah <laughs> so I was curious. Yeah, like, I'm, I'm not. I have no idea how the how our you know wedding guests took that. I have no idea. <laughs> Does it matter? No, it's no, your wedding. Really. Exactly. <laughs> no, but I just I, I just I thought it was really cool that when you told me that story because I had had a similar story with my friend's wedding. And so, is did your wife? Does your wife is she into punk rock or is she? Absolutely. It, Okay. That that was the first thing we bonded over. That was the first thing that brought us together. We you know we actually met. This is two thousand one. Uh, we were at a festival at the same festival together, and she was like, "Okay, well, there's a boombox which is playing uh, Operation Ivy. I need to go over." And that's how we met each other. <laughs> over an Operation Ivy song, and and what ended up happening is it was like, okay, even you know. It's meeting each other uh, some 800 kilometers away from where we live. We both were from the same city. We were both into the same bands. We had been going to the same shows. It's it's so weird. And she was like, oh, I remember you from the train. I go, oh, well, there you go. <laughs> I love that. That's awesome. Yeah. 20 years later, two kids. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Now you keep talking about how you're the one who does all the booking and this and that. Has it been like that in all your bands? Um, yeah, and whereas the old me would say, unfortunately, it's always been me. The new me, the the post uh, burnout me, <laughs> is saying, I think I've always wanted to be that guy. I, I need to have all the strings in my hands. Um whenever I sort of let go, I'm like, I'm losing control and I'm, I'm getting anxious and that doesn't suit me. So I've come to terms with, um, that's just the way I am. Like I need to be in control, like w- whether it's about, you know, designing record covers or having it released, I need to be, you know, heavily, heavily involved. There, there has been times where I haven't been and it, it's been it's been more stressful than the actual participation in it. Fair enough. But I mean, there's in, in DIY culture, you can be in a position of control to a certain degree, but I, I'm like you. Um, 
I'm I do all the booking. I'm the guy who I write a lot of the songs. I I I, I like I come up with the artwork um, and stuff like that. And I'm I feel like I'm reaching a point where, especially with regards to the booking, I feel like I would like to try and let someone else kind of do it. But at the same, yeah, I. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, I but have the, some good experience with that. Okay. But but I also have some bad ones. I well let's think I like, have bad ones. If you, <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, well, there you go. Like if you outsource this, like if you just say to someone, well, these are the dates that I would like to go out, and then you, you know, roll the dumps for three months and get an email saying, Well, I couldn't book this. The tour yeah. doesn't happen. Like, okay. All right. Well, if I would have done it myself, it might have happened. And then that's like, oh, just a letdown. But, uh, but I'm with you on that. I would love to have someone do the shows. It's not something that I enjoy. Although, you know, to a degree, I do enjoy it. I'm not, I don't want to be too, but yeah, absolutely. If I, if I were able to outsource anything, that would be, that would be it. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's how I ended up in Finland. Remember? Uh, <laughs> yeah. That exactly. booker totally <laughs> fucked us. <laughs> For like the last two oh weeks of that God. tour, and yeah. I was scrambling to find shows anywhere, try and get from Russia oh. back to back to Eastern Germany. Well, I'm I'm glad I've never had to deal with such a nightmare. Having you know, you guys had already been out for so long. Yeah, that was a two month having tour. that happen. Oh my God! But so here's yeah. the thing: punk rock and DIY mm-hmm. culture. I messaged you, and you were like, "Give me like three hours." Because I think it was, I think it was only a couple days before it happened. Because I was trying to figure out what Absolutely. the hell to do. Yeah, and then I was like, "Well, we could try, we could try Finland." And you're like, yeah, <laughs> that's "What I can do?" And you put something together, yeah. and it was, it was amazing. And we ended up spending an extra day, I think, just hanging out. I think so. Yeah. 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 No, it was. That's that. That's the beauty of it, though, isn't it? Like, um, you have all these people, um. You can reach out to anywhere in the world. There's always someone you know, welcoming you. Like uh, that's that's I don't know how much it's been spoken about, but those relationships they they tend to last. Yeah, most of mine have at least. Like I have uh, a few of my closest, uh, dearest friends that I have in in Belgium. Like and I, for example, yeah. that it's a place that I used to visit at least once a year. On tour talking, or not? You're talking about Bjorn and stuff, and uh, well, more like Martin and Julie, but yeah, okay, yeah. as well. <laughs> yeah, well, I just figured all, all that scene is all tied together. So yeah, it, it's 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 all all tied in. I think. Yeah, There's it's a bit like a secret society. Eh? <laughs> if you have the secret handshake, <laughs> then you kind of enter into these like worlds. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. For sure. That's that's also that's that's a beautiful thing. It really is. And um, yeah, but you know, th- there's also like, as you know, we have that 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 sort of network. But then there is that other network that operates in a in a bit more higher level, in which I'm not sure if we have. Where does it cross? Like, do we have that? You know. The, the you know the level of of, of managers and and tour agents mm, and yeah and then, um 
So the DIY and that scene, they hardly ever crisscross paths as much um, as the bands, I think, would like. But yeah, absolutely. it's being dealt outside. Like uh, an example, um, there is a band going on tour in June and we're like, okay, so there might be some synergies to this. Like, how do we get on a date with you guys? I have no idea. The bands have no idea. They don't even know who's booking their shows, right? Yeah. So that that that's a that's that's a totally different piece. And I, I'm not sure if anyone want would like that to be that, but that's just the reality of it. Yeah. And I'm sure you've Chris come across this as well. Yeah, actually, it happened on this tour. We uh, some friends of ours are going to be over in Europe at the same time as we are, and <clears throat> we had some dates that would have crossed perfectly, and. Mm-hmm. We spoke to them and they said, oh, we'll talk to our booking agent in Europe. They said, we have a new one, so we don't really know them very well, but we'll get back to you. Booking agent wouldn't even respond to the band members. I mean, it was crazy. Exactly. It was crazy. And so much so that, you know, we waited and waited. And then it got to the point where we had to reroute our tour because we were yeah. going to be playing the same night okay. in the same city as them. And they are significantly bigger than we are. So, it, yeah. you know. And I- I'm, 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 also, I'm also wondering, like, are those bands creating the, the, the kind of relationships that we are? Uh, you know, having to deal with these things. I, I so hope they are. But I have no idea. I feel like at a certain point they did. And now they've just kind of yeah. entered into a different kind of echelon. Because one of my issues with a lot of, and I'm sure you get this too, is that a lot of the DIY promoters that we know won't deal with booking agents. Ah. So and some of the promoters that deal with booking agents won't deal with band directly. Have anything to do with with Anstar. Yeah, exactly. That's that's definitely something that's uh, it's a German thing at least. Yeah, totally. <laughs> but it, it I only just, deal with this guy and this guy. Yeah, and and it kind of creates this weird disconnect, where as much as yeah. I say, you know, both of us say like, oh, it'd be nice to have someone to help us book. It's like, well. I know that in this town, yeah, do we really? Yeah, I would like to play <laughs> with. I'd like to book a show with my friend who I know is going to do a good yeah. job. But yeah. the booking agent's relationship is with this club that does three hundred shows exactly. a year. You know, and they don't do fill-ins, so there's no crisscrossing that. Yeah, exactly. So you do have, and I do have. That would make sense, but they don't operate that way at all. Exactly. So it just it becomes this kind of. It's kind of weird little dance that you do where you you try to make a little bit of money, but you still mm. try and stay with the friends. And you, yeah. you know your friends. Like, you know, let's be honest, our bands aren't famous. So I know no. that our friends are going to put in the effort to try and get as many people to the show as possible. But sometimes we just don't draw that, that many people. But I know that in a situation yeah. like that, they're going to be like, well, look, here's X amount of money for my pocket because I love you mm. and we're friends. Whereas if you just play yeah. a bar show, they're like, yeah, wait, there's a show tonight. Oh, uh, <laughs> yeah. You know, you can't stay here. You can't, there's no food. There's you're just like, God damn it. Well, one of it is business, right? And well, yeah. booking agents are a business. Uh, they need they to are. make the money. If not, they're, they're out of work. So lines are drawn. Yeah, that's yep. that, exactly like I'm sure they are leaving their cream. Uh, just like we were chasing other cream, they you know they caught up to it, and now it's business. That, so that's the 
That's that's the uh, harsh reality we all have to face. Yeah. It doesn't mean that it has to be unethical or not friendly, but it is business. Yeah, Yeah, it is. It is. And some are pretty cool with that. Like, I totally appreciate that. Uh, You know, as long as there is an answer, that's good. Like, yeah, fair enough. That's how they, that's how you operate. But if it's the cold shoulder always, it's, it doesn't create uh, the respect uh, everyone needs. The DIYs and the booking agents and the, uh, the upper level, level, whatever. Yeah. Um, as we got older, you know, playing things like Fest and Punk Rock Holiday and stuff like that, mm. I'm assuming that your you've your band is full of like-minded people who have realized that because we're not making any money on these tours, that there has to be a certain degree of of over enjoyment of the tour, whereas like. You know, we're not trying to play yeah, absolutely. 60 shows in 60 days. So it becomes a little bit of like a tourcation, especially when you're going to yeah. festivals and stuff like that. Um, absolutely. It's 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 so much out of out of pocket with those trips for sure. But you know, you you guys have been to fest, you know, the 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 whole experience, the whole three days is just it's not the fest. <laughs> you either you know it or you don't, but if you if you mm-hmm. do like you Live, live, live the fullest of those, and it's been fun in the fest they've, that they've been announcing all the old ones uh, from past yeah. years leading up to the, the the big twenty, and seeing the first one with a 2012, I'm like, holy shit! I missed, I don't know, a hundred bands that I would have wanted to see. <laughs> it's the thing with them, but but absolutely, like those are pilgrimages. I think, mm-hmm. and and we've been lucky enough that Tony at Fest has always liked our stuff and wanted to book us. It's not been like where we are like um, trying to, you know, bleed up, bled our way up there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and especially with custody, I think he uh, he he made a point of noting out like us in the. There's always a there's a yearly pamphlet or whatever mm-hmm. they print out, and it's like Tony's favorites. Custody, go check him out. That's <laughs> right. It's been funny like that, um, and it was the same with Punk Rock Holiday. They just really liked the band, and it's been you know like you know we can only offer X amount of money, and we're like, yeah, fine, absolutely, we'll make it happen. We know we're not gonna make anything out of it other than the experience, but the experience itself is an uh, the award. You, you know, mm-hmm. we go to our daily shops to be able to do this, and that's you know that's the way it is. Other people they they do hockey and that's even more expensive than playing music. So mm-hmm. you know. um, it's a balance act for sure. It's cool that you got invited to play punk rock holiday. I have friends in Europe who played punk rock holiday, and the deal is they have to sell tickets. Yes, we had to do that as well. Uh, we ended oh, okay. up doing <laughs> fairly well with those. Okay, I think we had to return maybe you know something like seven tickets I, I don't remember how many we got maybe 40 or 50 or something like that oh, and wow. you made you make like a percentage out of that mm-hmm. and that's your uh, that, yeah that's oh. your take yeah, but it's like it's, a- it's kind of it's a neat system because that's how it's a it's a free promotion for them yeah it worked out yeah there's and then there's an incentive to sell tickets because that's how you get your guarantee Exactly. Uh, what's you know, it, it totally makes sense. I didn't think anything of it. Like uh, it didn't. Me- 
it didn't come off as, as uh, something like a super corporate sellout kind of thing. It it felt like everyone's, you know, involved in making it happen. Mm-hmm. Nice. Yeah. What, Although, what like, there are only six sponsors, and, and I think uh, uh, Propaganda had an issue with them uh, promoting uh, the band with, with a certain brand, if it was an energy drink or something like that. This is a few years ago. So it's you know, a balance act on its own. Yeah. Um, I had a question about one of the things you told me. And in our last episode, we talked a lot about status and how yep. you know we put certain people in bands on pedestals, even though you know they don't they they still work day jobs. They don't. This isn't a career. This isn't. Yeah. And you were telling me a story about how Sergio from Sam I Am got in touch with you just yeah. being like i like your band and i was just curious like you know i'm, I'm sure for someone who who has a bit of a semi-am worship no offense to every band you've been in but uh <laughs> um not pun taken because i don't get me wrong i love semi-am the first time i saw them was in 93 um oh. yeah um but how did like i'm assuming we're gonna go back to goosebumps but you know, getting, yeah, that, yeah, yeah, getting sure. that email, you know. Um, yeah, that was the weirdest thing. Like this is uh, during Fest 2018, uh, the Fest fans getting announced. And um, the Samayam uh, bass player, now bass player, Chad, mm-hmm. um, I think he was closely tied to No Idea Records. And I think uh, close, closely tied to... Uh, Gainesville and, and the, the whole fest organization. He was, I don't know, I'm not sure what he was doing, but he was browsing through the bands uh, coming to fest. And on our band camp page, I've written this stupid um, uh, two line biography of what does custody sound like. And I think from that stupid bio that I wrote in 2015, everyone's taking the, the searchy, searchy part. And 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 think that we are uh, intentionally uh, semi-am worship, which <laughs> it's it it definitely is not intentional. But being like now listening back to those songs and having that Churchill Lubkov reference there for sure, it it com- might come off as such. But we don't write songs like that. As I told you, we have the goosebump. Uh, Mm-hmm. meter uh, at our disposal so whatever comes out naturally is what comes out and that's that's just the way it is but anyway um so chat has noticed this and uh, writes a search an email saying like have you seen this this is like uh there's this finnish band that's saying that they sound like a cross between Sergei lubkov mike carter and uh, matt Pryor having a knife fight in the in the 90s yeah, I was, I was actually about to laugh. Read it. I went to the bank camp. I was going to read it. <laughs> yeah. So you just said so, it. <laughs> so he was like, well, that sounds funny. Like, check him out. And I, I'm, I'm, I'm making porridge for my kids in the kitchen. My phone peeps. And I see, okay, well, I'm, I'm getting an email from LA Times. What the fuck? Oh, that's Sergio Luca. Cool. And um, he tells me that that chat had sent him an email saying, like, you should check them out. And he's like, I really enjoyed the record, especially the last song and blah, blah, blah. And went into uh, quite a bit of detail of uh, things that he enjoyed. And we ended up uh, sending emails back and forth for 
for a couple of days and um, and exchanging um, uh, intel on people, uh, mutual friends in Finland that we know. <laughs> intel. Yeah. It, yeah. <laughs> The secret society. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, and um, later on, two years uh, after that, I, I also sent him our uh, last full length, and he took the time to listen to that as well. And it's, it's, it's working out. Did you guys it. ever play with him? No, unfortunately not. Maybe that's, again, if I, if I were a Swede, I would be bombarding him with emails saying like, we need to play a show together. How do we make a show together? How do we make, make this happen? But I'm not like that. I'm too humble. I'm not. Okay. Sorry. Sorry. It's nice that you contacted me, but okay. Bye-bye. Oh, so you're like Canadians. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> no, I, I would have no objections to that. I hope that will happen. I, uh, and I really, really enjoy search. It's now banned uh, ways away. That's amazing. Oh yeah, we actually we were supposed to go on tour with them in Mexico. Oh, uh, you were. Yeah, uh, but the, it just didn't work out. It was actually supposed to be this month, at the beginning oh. of this month. I think it's been pushed back to the fall if it happens. Yeah, I forgot about the, that. Yeah. And and Samayam is now playing the uh, Yeah, I saw that. Those shows look. Those shows look crazy. Yeah. Um, I have one more goosebump moment. I did. I did see Chalkbreaker in uh, 2019. In London, I cried. I'm not afraid to admit, but I did. <laughs> What song? Jet Black. Condition Oakland. Ah, okay. Yeah. T- t- because we live in North America, T and I saw them. No, what year did uh, uh, Hear You come out? Probably '96 yeah. or '97. <clears throat> yeah, we saw them on that tour. Cool. From the Dear You tour. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. And there's still, I, I, it's funny because I was talking to Chris. I, I listened to Dear You again not too long ago. What a powerful record. It's an amazing mm-hmm. record. Mm-hmm. I don't think it got the uh, attention it needed. And that was my entry to Chopper, actually. Mm. So I never had to deal with that dilemma <coughs> of uh, selling out or ditching a certain sound. Mm. I just, I just can, I, I just immediately appreciated everything they've done. So my 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 order of Jawbreaker records is not always the most popular. So I'm curious to hear what you think. Best Jawbreaker records: Bivouac, Dear You, Twenty Four Hour Revenge Therapy, and I just don't listen to one fun because it sounds so bad. <laughs> I would go as far to say, Dear You, Twenty Four Hours, Bivouac. Yeah. What's the uh, What's the EP? Uh, Chesterfield King. Um, oh yeah. That one somewhere in between. If if well, we'll talk after this. But I actually have an original pressing of that. Oh, um, yeah, I can I see don't. your face. <laughs> I'll I'll tell you what. Do you have the repress of it? Yep. I'll trade you. Done. Done deal. Because I don't care. Like I love that EP, <laughs> but I no longer yeah. collect records. Yep. So, if, nice. Let's do it. <laughs> There's always something to things like um, being an original or repress. Well, not not that much these days anymore, but but specifically things that initially came out on CD and then someone made the vinyl version of it. They sound way worse than they should. Um, so not 
there's a lot of represses that I would rather not own. It's, you know, uh, whereas to I, I I would enjoy the original. <laughs> yeah. Well, the problem is, is people are just they're not thinking it through. They're just re-releasing old records without remastering them for vinyl. Well, there you go. And the same with terrible. with artwork, like they just um, enlarge yeah. the the CD covers. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the, the nostalgia is a thing that comes up a lot on this show because because we're old. We're well, old. Like that. All, all <laughs> the bands that we saw and liked back then, who never made any money, are now able to make money. Mm. So yeah, you know, when you saw Jawbreaker in London, you know, when they first announced the uh, Riot Fest with them, yeah. in my head, I was like, I will never. Oh yeah, I was close at at going to Riot Fest when they announced that. I'm glad that I didn't go. Yeah, I wouldn't want to see a band like you know we saw Jawbreaker with like 200 people in in a club, and it's like seeing them 20 20 something years later. Excuse me, in in front of 30,000 people on a huge stage. I was I'm I'm really conflicted about that. I don't. I'm. It's kind of like we have a festival. I can. uh, Yeah. I was gonna say I, I can definitely appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah. I was gonna say Turnstyle are playing uh Turnstyle are a band that I, I really got into in the past few years. I was really late coming to them. And they're playing Montreal at a giant festival. And I'm kinda like, I don't want to pay $150 to go see a 30 minute turnstile set. And then a bunch of like hipster mm. bands that I don't know. Yeah. I get that. I, I hear you, but 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 with with nostalgia, uh, especially with with bands like Jawbreaker, there's a, there's a whole generation that didn't have that opportunity to go on those mm. dear you tour uh, shows. Me me specifically, like um, I would have uh, gladly go see them '96 if I had the chance. But living yeah. all the way up here and not having access to uh, transportation cross Atlantic, um, you know. We have to take the chances we get. Um, I'm still beating myself up, not going to see the replacements. Um, there's, and there's loads of other bands as well that, you know, reformed way after I had the chance to uh, go to see them. But, but I, I understand your view as well. Like I'm, 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 I've had those moments of, do I really want to pay festival ticket price to see one band? And one that I'm still beating myself up about is Slint. If you guys know Slint. Yeah, of course. Yeah. They made it to Finland, I don't know, 2015. But it was this huge hipster festival that I I, I just hated everything else on the bill. And I'm like, oh, I'm not going to see them. But I should have. They played for like an hour and a half. I've seen oh, videos shit. of it. And I'm like, oh, God damn it. it I, the, the one thing that I find is, you know, every generation is going to, when you grow up and you discover music, it's rare that the first thing you discover is current music. So you discover music that already exists. So for me, you know, I would never want to see a minor threat reunion. I would never Mm. want to go see the dead Kennedys Mm. without Jello Biafra. I would never go see black flag with Mike Vallely singing. Um, You know, what about the recent misfits? (laughs) 
I've seen Danzig. Like, <laughs> I, and and when I when I saw Danzig, it was Danzig and Doyle. So he did like three quarters of a Danzig set, and then the a whole yeah. chunk of Smith songs. And uh, this was when was this two twenty. 2015 or 2016 it was fucking awesome <laughs> yeah you know mm. um but I, I i think the accessibility to all this stuff and this is the old man yells at cloud talking right now it, it just yeah, kind of bugs exactly. me because it's like there's something sacred to me that kind of gets mm. taken away but at the same time i also think it's cool that these people who were doing all this back in the day, not making any money or anything from it, are able to play these one-off shows and make like 30 grand, you know, because they've spent their whole life playing in bands and like kind of toiling. I don't know. It just... Um, well, I'm happy that they kind of make money at one point because everyone gets old. And, but, but that's know, what I'm saying. I'm they, happy that they're making money, but I just, it's, it's not... I, I have these vivid different. memories no. of how these bands formed me that I think would be hmm. would would kind of ruin things for me. Like here's a perfect example. The first the first reformed band I went to see, like Reunion, was Gangrene. Ah. That, that was one of the worst experiences of a live. Oh, yeah? oh my God. Right. There was like four people there. The singer jumped off the stage and punk punched a punk kid in the face. Um like it was just and they wouldn't stop playing. Like there was a, a time limit I think on the there's, show? The, the, there's, a, there's a good way to do it. There's a bad way to do it. Mm-hmm. But I, I want to stop you at minor threat because I'm, I agree. Yep. I, wouldn't, I, I don't want them to reform as much as I don't want Operation Ivy to reform. I don't know why, because I would love for uh, Fugazi to reform. I got to see Fugazi play live and they came through Finland a couple of times. But, but they're still... I don't know why it would make total perfect sense for Fugazi to reform, right. but not minor threat. And I, a... I couldn't answer to that question, but I, I, I do see that uh, invisible line between something being sacred. Yeah. Mm. I think there's a youthfulness, you know? Minor threat just oozes youthfulness. And it would be weird to have 50-year-old men playing mm. You know, and having you, you just don't have that youthful energy that just explodes. Jawbreaker doesn't have that youthful energy. They can, they're still playing great. <laughs> they're great musicians, great songs. Same with Fugazi. Uh, and some bands yeah. just, you know, uh, I think the one that just surprised me the most was when I saw Joe Biafra in the Guantanamo School of Medicine. And Joe Biafra was off yeah. the hook. I mean, within three songs, yeah. he jumped off stage. He chokehold a guy that was beating up somebody else. I mean, it was out of control. Uh, <laughs> but it's very rare, you know, to, it is, to see it is. people I, who I, are th- give it 150% at 55. Yeah, the, the, I, you know, it's hard to pinpoint, but but I get what you're saying because there are, things that you're not going to be able to perform at mm-hmm. age 60 anymore. But then there are things that uh, seem to have no age limit, like uh, looking at the uh, Circle Church. Look at yeah. their shows and look at the, the power that they are putting out. It's, it's amazing. Yeah. 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 It's, it's, it's is over 60, eh? But I watched yeah. a bunch of videos. They just played here last weekend. I just watched a bunch of videos. It looked boring as hell. Like Keith Morris didn't move. No, they did. Yeah, he just. We, we've been uh, he, watching different videos. 
Yeah. Um, <laughs> we, my old band played with uh, Off, and yeah. they were crazy. Like, they were amazing. And watching these videos of Circle Jerks, Keith Morris just kind of stood there a lot. And in my head, I kind of right. went, hmm. He's, but, he's, you know, but the songs the are great. Is still there. The songs are great. That's what, yeah. I, that's, that's what I mean, because it, it wouldn't make sense if they you know, offered a slowed down version of Circle Jerks. It's still Circle yeah. Jerks. Although, yeah. like, being 65, you're not going to be stage diving. <laughs> no. <laughs> unless, unless you're David Yao. Yeah, I saw him at 57 stage dive. <laughs> okay. So Ika, to kind of start yeah. wrapping things up, yeah. you know, and it kind of goes, it's a good segue to what we've been talking about. You know, do punks die or do they just grow old? I think they grow old, yeah. And how do you want to grow old they as don't, a punk? Uh, I want to be, a, um, I, I don't think I want to be, a, you know, I, I don't, I'm, I'm, I'm more than happy not to be labeled as a punk per se. I just want to be an old man with some stories to tell. Like um, you know, I, I want to leave, if if not a legacy, at least a memory of a life life lived, so to say. Um, I like the mundane uh, sort of uh, um, same old, you know, what's it called? There's a routine. word for it, the routine. I, I like to take those dives out of that out of that comfort zone as well, and you know, you know, uh, don't want to be a boring old man. I want to be the that funny old man who tells all these stupid ass <laughs> stories, being chased by cops in France or whatever. <laughs> but but the the creativity is is I I don't know for for me that's more my question. Like you know, you're gonna sit in the in on the rocking chair and tell stories and stuff. But I feel like for me, I'm going to do that with a guitar in my hand. Well, well, there you go. Um, I'm pretty sure that's, that's never going to leave either. Um, and maybe those stories become songs eventually. Um, I've never been able to write songs, sing songs like, uh, and on really rare occasions have complete songs popped up or appeared to me. There's been few that have appeared in a dream and then, then I've woken up, wrote them and they've stayed that way. Awesome. But those are like few and only few. But there are a few of those, but that's something I, I think as I get older, I will start to uh, practice more. I just bought this um, training harmonica set. So you never know. Awesome. <laughs> But ha having a wife who's a songwriter, that must mm, it's gonna that help. Must be, yep. Yeah, I was gonna say there must yeah. be some kind of like, I don't know if it's mutual inspiration. Absolutely. Yeah. I don't know. You you start writing a song and be like, "What do you think of this? What would you add?" Or she'll come to you with a song and be like, "I'm um, doing this. What do you think?" Yeah, I hope it's gonna lead lead to that. At the, at the moment, it's 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 a little bit too hectic with this but when we have our quality time together hopefully the stars come out relatively awesome so if people want to connect with you where would they find you um I would go to custodypunk.com um it will have all the links necessary links I would connect